0: Thank you. And I guess when it comes to Izzy, my concern is that there was no emoji. You could say he loved people, but it wasn't perceived in love. It was perceived judgmentally. And this comes back to what we said in previous episodes about the first thing is speaking the truth. The next thing is speaking the truth in love. And the third thing which is missing is speaking the truth in a way that is perceived to be in love. I heard Martin Isles, the leader of the ACL, Australian Christian Lobby, talking about Izzy in an interview and saying he's a really nice, decent guy and a lovely guy to sit down with. That's probably true. But I read his posts and I don't perceive that. If I didn't no. know the man at all, I would have no reason to assume he was a nice guy and I think that's where he probably let himself down a bit. I think so many Christians probably let themselves down. If you have strong opinion about something, maybe it's worth just shooting the post by someone else first, someone you trust, respect, a leader or something, and just say, hey, I'm thinking about putting this up. What do you think?
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Christians in Culture. This is episode 12 and it's part two of A Tale of Two Israels. It's a follow on from last session when Pastor Rowan took us through, well, I suppose, a brief history lesson. It wasn't that brief. <laughs> it was an hour, but Not it's still, brief, brief. <laughs> in relation to the issue, it was quite brief. This issue has been going for many, many, many centuries and it's quite a complex issue that a lot of us don't really have all of the facts on. We often come to it from a subjective point of view, uh, which is a a point of view that is clouded by emotion, unfortunately. Um, And the reason uh, we've called it A Tale of Two Israels is that there's another Israel that is highly spoken about in the media in past times, and that's Israel Falau or Izzy Falau. He is a Christian man and he's been quite vocal. Um, in, the, in social media and in the media of religion and the freedom of free speech. So um, what I might get Jimmy to do is just give us a bit of an overview of the situation that Izzy has found himself in and, and um, what do you think is going on?
2: All right, so to, to start with, I suppose there'd been a few different Instagram or social media posts that he'd put up. Um, and been a bit outspoken about Um, a lot of them were to do around the issue of sin and the most recent one which was the suppose the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of from rugby union's point of view aru's point of view or rugby australia is that he put up a post an image which said warning drunks homosexuals adulterers liars fornicators thieves atheists idolaters hell awaits you Repent! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Mark drop. Uh, yeah. So, it was a image that was a uh, that was referencing a Bible scripture, but maybe not necessarily done in a written. It wasn't scripture though. It was a image that was made in reference to scripture. So that's that. That was the that was the first part. Uh, so then, Rugby Australia. Uh, they say that he, that he has violated the code of conduct, and it wasn't the first warning. He had a couple of warnings, apparently. Um, now, Israel is saying that the AR, ARU um, has no jurisdiction, jurisdiction on his freedom of religious speech, uh, then there was a GoFundMe campaign that he put up, which was then pulled down by GoFundMe. And then, then after, it raised a substantial after it raised a whole $2 million lot of money, dollars, was something it? ridiculous. One million or two million dollars, yeah. Then the Australian Christian Lobby said, Oh, we're going to back you, Izzy. Uh, so they put up a similar type of thing on their website for people that they could raise money, which also raised several million dollars. Um, now, this case going forward is this big test case now to see whether or not what he said on social media and the way that he conducted himself in that way is, is going to set a precedent in terms of either what it, what do codes of conduct mean, what is freedom of speech, what is freedom of religion. Uh, yeah, and I suppose the good thing coming out of this will be that there will be at least some clear guidelines going forward for organisations and for individuals about what they can and can't say when they have signed certain codes of conduct or signed certain agreements with contracts, etc., uh, and how that then they can express themselves publicly and personally while being also a very public figure, and how that will marry up <coughs> in that way. Uh, so. No one here is a legal expert. Uh, none of us have done a law degree. The closest is Adam. doing. He, he needs to know certain laws and statutes to be a police officer.
0: I'm a pastor. I need to know certain laws in the Bible. Does that count?
2: Uh, no, I it know, doesn't I know, we I know, I know on that laws before. in the Bible. But yeah, that's right. No, that I doesn't, still, doesn't yeah, work, Jimmy. doesn't help me in this situation. So it's currently in the federal court. It could end up in the high court, become a high court issue. Um, if it boils and down to a constitutional yeah, issue, if it comes down it's as like, a constitutional it's thing, just like the become, castle, it's likely to become yeah. a high yeah. court issue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it could be like so the
0: castle. They like, could just argue the vibe of the constitution. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about so need yeah. to go watch the castle. Yes. Yeah, and then even Often if you d- even if you do
2: know account. what's going on, just go and watch the castle. Anyway. Yeah, go watch the castle anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you just need to laugh, just go and watch the castle. So that's that's a brief overview of what's going on at the moment. Yeah,
1: that's good. So what's the actual legal matter before the court and what are the possible outcomes, Pastor Owen?
0: Oh, okay, I think, hey everyone, welcome. Thanks, thanks for being with us. I think um, from what I, I, think, I don't know how many Christians are aware of exactly what the legal matter is. I, I think a lot of people are just assuming they know, but my understanding, and this um, may have changed, but my understanding is that essentially Israel is suing for damages for unfair dismissal he's saying you didn't dismiss me on the right grounds therefore I've lost my wages I'm suing you for that and rugby australia are claiming that it's their right to dismiss because he broke his code of conduct so they <coughs> the burden is on them the aru the rugby australia that to prove they didn't dismiss him on the basis of religious beliefs that's that's my understanding they they're the ones who actually have to prove that they didn't more than israel has to prove that uh, he you know he he violated his code of conduct and they will argue that it's a high-level breach of his employment contract. That's the argument that they're taking. Now, the possible outcomes, Jimmy, you mentioned mm. you know, that this being like a, a test case, I think, mm. and that's probably a good thing, that something mm. needs to happen because this issue will just rise its head mm. in different contexts. Mm. All yeah. the social issues we've been talking mm. about in our podcast mm. to date, yeah. any one of these, as we head more into a secular society, will yeah. rise their
2: head. Yeah. I suppose uh, particularly... Like in in the terms of sport, say <coughs> rugby in rugby league, there's a lot of people with a Polynesian background, highly religious, yes. and then a lot of them are conservative religious ideas, yep. uh, in that sense. So yep. this will be have potential for That's to be really right. big in terms of what they can then do in, yep, definitely. in that sphere.
0: And and there's a lot of say Mormons. So it's not just Christians. Yeah. There's Mormons in a lot of um, the Polynesian background. So if Falau wins, I think it will narrow the code of conduct so that employees will have to sign and take p- power away from the employer so if he wins it will mean that they basically it's stating that the government is stating that they that employers have less jurisdiction over what an employee does with their own social media account in their own time if Rugby Australia win it will allow more uh, scope for employees employers to tell employees what they can can and can't do uh, employees will have to decide then if they want to comply. So, for instance, the, the Rugby Australia will be able to say, you're not allowed to post anything of a religious content whatsoever. And then the burden, if that's the case, will be that it'll be on rugby players like, like Izzy to say, well, okay, do I sign this or not? And mm. if I don't, I don't have an option, but just to go get a job somewhere else. So yeah. this isn't just about sport. This will apply across all areas of industrial relations legislation. Mm. It's also, it's worth noting how much a code of conduct can stand up in court. Because my understanding is that it, it, it's a breach of code of conduct, not necessarily his employment contract. Mm. And I'm not an industrial relations lawyer, but I think there's a difference. For instance, when I was doing some research into this, I, I saw, for instance, let's say, Jimmy, I, I want you to work for the church. And I employ you uh, under a code of conduct that says, you employ, that says you agree to work for me for $5 an hour uh, for the first three months as a, as a probationary period. And during that three-month probationary period, um, I can sack you at any point. That's, that probationary period is often part of an employment contract. But to say for the first three months you've got to prove to me you can work for five dollars an hour. Now, if I if I if I sack you for that reason, you would have grounds to come back and say you underpaid me. And the reason is is because industrial relations law, which has a minimum benchmark wage, supersedes any code of conduct that an employer can place on an employee. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Where this all lies is very messy in the court, and that's why yep. there's, it's a multi-million dollar court case on both sides. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's good. I suppose there's probably a clear example in the Bible. There's a clear example in the Bible where the Apostle Paul is, is taken before the rulers, and he says, no, no, I'm, a, I'm Roman. I appeal to Caesar. Yes, Caesar is the overarching authority over the, the um, Pharisees at the time. Yeah, good point. Mm.
0: Yeah. You were just sitting back listening and thinking about that. That's a good example. I haven't thought about that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I suppose, are there other related matters or implications we should be aware of in relation to what's before the court and, and what the outcome may, I suppose have an impact on later
0: yeah sure i think we'll ask probably ask a lot of questions and probably not answer a lot in this episode but mm. there, there will be an argument amount around whether discriminating and refusing employment or terminating employment excuse me <coughs> because someone identifies as a specific religion is the same as discriminating because they express certain religious belief mm. okay so someone who can identify as a christian but doesn't express that might be okay, but is that the same as then saying, I'm a Christian, I have freedom to speak my uh, religious beliefs. So an employer might not discriminate because a person identifies as a Muslim, but can they stop that employee from stopping for prayer five times a day for instance, because that's what their legislation requires, or from setting up their mat in the office, or from wearing certain kinds of clothing. So "I'm I'm a Muslim, they might say, but that's fine, but don't practice, don't do anything that identifies you as a Muslim in this place because mm. that's just disc- you know the employer might be able to discriminate. So that's something. I, there's the yeah. famous, uh, somewhat famous issue. If you, 18 months, two years ago, Pauline Hanson walking into Parliament, making a statement, walking in wearing a uh, niqab, say basically clothed and saying, look, anyway, I could have been anybody. And so this is decided. This is the argument. Well, uh, is there security issues involved in all this? If a person is employed working in complete clothing, uh, Muslim clothing. So this issue is not just a, a matter mm. related to LGBT and yeah. doctrine about what Izzy believes about that. It's much yeah. bigger than that. Definitely.
1: Mm. There's legislated authority for police officers to get people to remove their ceremonial um, garments. Is but that done in
0: a respectful way? Oh, 100%. I would imagine so. Yeah,
1: right. 100%. It's, um, yeah it has to be done in private if it's a fem- female then yep. there will be a female yes won't be a man yeah and yeah there's a, there's a deep level of respect for for that and i think that's something that will come up a few times as we continue to talk about this yeah. is respect and i think that's been just the heart of this whole podcast it's always been about coming at these issues with respect knowing that all people are created in the image of god we have to honour that.
0: Well, here's an interesting comment that's just come up this week on the issue of respect. I don't remember who posted this or where I saw it on social media, but as you're listening to this, this is the week when um, al-Baghdadi has been uh, caught and killed by the United States, the head of ISIS, and uh, there was a, a comparison that was making a it was basically stating the fact that when Osama bin Laden died, I don't know if you guys saw this. When Osama bin Laden died, Barack Obama uh, made the statement that he was buried at sea in accordance with Muslim law, and so on and so yep. forth. And Trump, who had been very out, very vocal about how he died as a whimpering dog and all this sort of stuff, and, um, <coughs> and the, the comment was along the lines of Trump did the right thing because he no one deserves it if they've treated people like that. Okay, so so why should we on a res- why should we give respect to bin Laden when he orchestrated so much horror around the world why should we give respect to uh Baghdadi? And, and so it was basically saying that trump was probably a, you know sorry that uh, was having a go at barack obama this particular post and it did get me to think about that and thought well i i didn't like what trump said i, I thought as I, I read it on my post first thing in the morning on my new, my news article and i went oh it's one it's another one of those ones where i thought it, it's yeah the guy the guy's a criminal. But mocking is not necessarily mm. the right thing to do. Mm. And and here's my thought on that, is that the people, maybe if you're listening to this and you think, oh, you know, that's the, we should mock these people, because I, I kind of think, I'm thinking through how to say this diplomatically as, I, as I'm speaking now, so bear with me if it doesn't come out right. Sometimes we can't have our cake and eat it too. Mm. If we aren't prepared to honor the religious freedoms of another faith, mm. then why do we think we have a right to our express our religious freedoms mm. i i think it cuts both ways mm. so it all comes back to the mutual respect of all humans now i mm. i don't necessarily have a problem with with Baghdadi being shot and killed because first pers- i mean some christians who were pacifists might have a problem with that but i mean mm. he's an orchestrator of significant horrors in the world but but the mocking attitude concerns me
2: mm. yeah well it comes again to who is our neighbor like, it's the that the theology around who our neighbor is. Yeah. Um, even if you completely disagree with someone, they've done the, the worst things in the world, they are still our neighbor. We are still called to love them and pray for them and show them respect, mm-hmm. even if we don't get it in return. Mm. And I think this is a case where this shows what we should do. If you don't, if you didn't want to go into full detail, if you don't, necessarily if like if trump didn't want to just they decided okay we're not going to give him a muslim burial or anything like that that's fine because who am i to say anything about that and tell them what to do but at the same time to actually go and then to the mock side of where you're mocking and that sort of thing i don't think that is a great response as a christian to do that i i think that's not we're not called to be like that because then what's what is that a reflection of in our heart if that's what we're doing yeah
0: that's uh, uh, my point i agree 100 percent with what you're saying yeah Mm. i think that does have implications for this sort of story as well yeah Yeah,
1: uh, there's a guy named darren brown he's a hypnotist and he um he does some he does social experiments basically um and he did a really interesting one on the idea of crowd mind Mm. and the idea that once people get into a place where they have anonymity, they will throw a full restraint. And the Bible mm. very clear about that kind of idea. And it's so easy on social media to be part of the crowd mm. and to throw out things willy-nilly without mm. actually thinking about them. Mm. Um, I was thinking this week about the parable of the landowner and how like the landowner, it was his right and prerogative to to pay people a denarius for their labor mm-hmm. and there was the the parable says that he went out in the morning and he got people and he said come and work and then he went out at midday and he said come and work and they all came and worked and then someone some came at like four thirty, just before knockoff time they all came to work they all uh said yes we'll come and work for one denarius he paid them all at the end and they all got the same and they all started to complain he's like it's my my job it's my job to decide how much i'm going to pay and you signed mm. up for that and i was thinking about the death of ivan Malat this week
0: yes that's right that's current this week mm. too
1: and man i was just thinking and, and it, the thought dropped into my mind what if he accepted christ
2: i don't mm. know if he did or not mm.
1: i don't there's nothing to say that he did or didn't but what if he did
0: mm.
1: you know how mm. would that sit with me knowing that he'd, he'd committed all of those atrocities, uh, atrocities and then in his last moment, repented. Mm. Like, mm. how would I feel about that? Yeah, mm.
0: probably quite similar if we're honest, especially for those that um, aren't from our part of the world. Where we're sitting in Picton here is just down the road from where Ivan Milat lived yeah. in Bargo. So it's, it's a very hot topic in, out here in the Wanderley Shire where we are. Uh, but it's very similar to the Jonah story. Mm. Jonah was complaining and whinging about God's graciousness, and and uh, you know how we wrestle with justice and grace um, is is an issue that we all as Christians need to think through. And, and I I feel I can reason the two. I, I I can get to a point where I believe that no one is beyond the grace of God, mm. but at the same time recognize that just because you've received the grace of God does not mean you you automatically are exempt from the from the consequences of your actions, yep. even if that is execution if that's the law of the land as it was in the bible days when peter says you know if you don't do anything wrong you got nothing to worry about but if Mm -hmm. you do wrong there's a sword there yeah that was (coughs) the principle so yeah we do have to wrestle with these issues these things i mean this podcast will raise questions and i guess our intention is not to provide answers Mm. but to help you raise questions and think intelligently about them as much as possible
1: yeah okay so i want to ask the question should christians use social media to post their religious views and how?
2: Yes. How? That's a lot harder. Yeah. I think the hardest thing when you're sharing anything on social media is that it's very, as you just shared about, um, it's very easy to be get that anonymous mindset that there's no face in front of you of you, when you're typing that thing on your keyboard, there's no one on the other side receiving that, that you're gonna see their reaction. Um, I think that's where, if you wouldn't say it to someone's face, don't post it on social media. And then if you, say it, if you would say it to someone's face and you know that they would get offended or try and punch you in the face, probably don't post that one either. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good. Good thought, Jimmy. So how, like, so that's how we would do it. Because I think it's so easy. I, I intentionally don't post a lot on social media. I share a little bit more because I think that people have probably put a lot more thought into it. And I, I think, okay, well, I agree with that, and I'll sit on that a bit before I share it. Not very often, though, and a lot of it at times has got to do with things that I know share my beliefs. So whether it's posts that directly come from our church um, or this podcast, um, I'll share those sorts of things. Uh, and the other thing that I post about is sport. That's really Big the main step. things. And, yeah. Nice, yeah. Oh, and a, a nice, nice things about my wife. Yes, that's right. Um, I probably, and apparently I don't do that often enough, so I probably <laughs> should do that a little <laughs> bit more. because hey, I, do, I do love my wife. Glad um, you're listening. <laughs> I'm going to hold him th- to that. Yeah, I, I think that... We feel as though we should be posting all the time because we are told we've got this urgency to share this gospel. We've to share Jesus with people. And there's that urgency there. Okay, we want to share it with people. We want people to know who Jesus is. We want them to experience what we experience. We want them to know. But if there's no personable con- connection how can they really experience Jesus through just some words you're typing on a screen? Yeah. It's a difference between you posting a video and sharing, and then people can see your heart. Good point. See whatever. like They'll they, see expression on your face. They'll read the tone of your voice. And then they can make a decision, do I still want to punch this person in the face or not? Like if they, they do, pretty they much have to drive because to your if you are sitting house there, <laughs> and then so if you are getting really angry, yeah, but then they'll f- they'll find if they you know might get you a fish pump emoji, and you might yeah. think, oh, that person's yeah. for me, but really,
0: no, it's they're not running, running punch, you punch, in, the punch in the face, and yeah. then they
2: might do that next time they see you. Yeah, but it's about the way you are sharing is the way that people are going to receive. And video, if you are going to post anything, videos are good, okay, good. but if you are writing something out. You, the, you lose all tone of voice. You lose all um, any sort of emotion you are showing on your face. Any sort of body language. All of that disappears, and I think that's gonna. That's the hardest thing about social media. It's like text. Uh, before social media, it was sending text messages to people. People talked about the exact same thing. Mm. If you're gonna text, if you're having an important conversation, don't do it over message, and don't do it over Facebook or Instagram social or media. any of that sort of stuff, because all that it's gonna do is leave it open to interpretation, leaves it open to um, for it to be misconstrued, misconstrued, and it leaves it open for people to be offended, even if that's not your intention.
0: Good points. Mm. I'd add to that, should Christians post on social media? I'd agree, yes. But I'd also add, probably not as often as many people do. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times, as you're saying, people probably just do it with because they think it's the right thing to do. For all those reasons that you've identified, there is potential pitfalls in doing so. And so, if so, how? And we have talked about this, and obviously a lot of this podcast is about social media. I mean, our podcast is, we've have, we have a social media page for this podcast. Uh, so, if so, how? I, I think what you're saying is has got to be the test, is will a person, will it have this perceived outcome that will lead a person potentially closer to a relationship with Christ rather than further away if we talk about an issue that's not a religious per se issue let's well it is we already discussed this in a recent episode But let's let's take the environmental issue again um, if we are just posting pro-climate change or anti-climate change or whatever but we are not inviting a discussion then there's a problem so <clears throat> hey I don't really know much about this this is the hypothetical climate change one that comes to mind i might post i'm not going to but this might be hypothetical hey you know this whole climate change debate i i hear people who are very pro it, people who are very against it um i'm concerned that there's not a lot of conversation going on there's just people spouting facts at each other and what they Mm -hmm. perceive to be facts this is what i think what do you think now i wouldn't enter into that conversation without a what do you think let's have a conversation Mm -hmm on the end of it and i guess when it comes to izzy my concern is that that wasn't the case there was no emoji i mean there was no he he could say he loved people but Mm. it wasn't perceived in love it was perceived judgmentally um and this comes back to what we said about you know early in previous episodes about the first thing is speaking the truth the next thing is speaking the truth in love and the third thing which is missing is speaking the truth in a way that is perceived to be in love i heard martin isles the uh leader of the acl australian christian lobby talking about is he in an interview and saying he's a really nice decent guy and you know mm. he's like he uh, mm. a lovely guy to sit down with that's probably true mm. but it, i didn't I, I read his posts and i don't perceive that if i didn't no. know the man at all i would have no reason to assume he was a nice guy and i think mm. that's where he probably let himself down a bit mm. and i think so many christians that i see on social media i feel that they probably let themselves down and i'm not excluding myself from this i, I I've made my mistakes in this area, but I think you let yourself down when you mean well, but you're not sure mm. how it's perceived. If you have a strong opinion about something, maybe it's worth, and you feel you should shoot it. This is just coming from mm. <laughs> put something up. Maybe it's worth just shooting the post by someone else first, mm. someone you trust, respect, yeah. a leader or something, and just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about putting this up. What mm. do you think?" Yeah, uh and at least gets a different person's mm. perspective and be open to that. It's mm. mm. good. And was, and they'll be upset yeah. when they tell you that they don't agree even.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say just something a little bit further like that my practice on social media is that I, if I'm sharing something or want to comment on a page or like on a post uh, or tag someone in something, I actually check one what the name of the actual page that it's from because a lot of the time is that you might find something it might be funny. It might, it might not even be religious. It might be funny. But then you look at the name of the page and you're like, Hey, uh, no, nah. I'm. I'm not. You're not advocating. Gonna, I'm for not going to advocate page. that page. Yeah. Or okay, you might do that, but then go and have a look at some of their other posts first, and just to see what it is. Because okay, you're by you commenting or liking or sharing that post, you are. Your clickbait. By proxy, by, <laughs> by proxy, <laughs> you pulled. are endorsing that page. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just be careful of that. You might say
0: I'm not endorsing it, but if someone clicks on it and goes somewhere else, you've just endorsed it for them. Yeah. Good point, Jimmy. That's that's
1: cool, man. I've got two things to say, and I'll I'll just piggyback on what you were saying. Like, as a, I'm the um, creative department leader here at Picton, and I have to, and one of my roles is to teach people. They, I teach them about creative stuff and worship leading, and teach them about the Bible. And I often have to think. Like I might share something from a page, but I need to think what what is the theology behind this? What are the overarching belief systems in this church, for example, that I may be promoting to our team? I need to be mindful of that because I can lead people down the garden path, and they and all of a sudden, it, I remember hearing um, Jeff Crabtree at, when I was at Bible College. He said, "It only takes a few degrees to be off when you're sailing a boat over." 500 mm. kilometers and you are far, yeah. far off course. Yeah. And and if we get stuck on these little ideas that are skew if, then we will be, we'll lead ourselves down a garden path. Mm. In relation to Izzy's post, Izzy didn't make the post. He didn't make that image. He shared it. Yeah. And I take, I take issue with people that just share stuff willy-nilly that just hit the share yeah. button and that's the end of it. I will do it for our podcast and I'll do it for stuff that Pastor Rowan has has put up and our, our church stuff, but as for anything else, I won't mm. because, and, and I've, I've taken a bit of a practice where if I, I, I will look at something and then I'll say, okay, I feel like I want to share this and then I will say, okay, well, do I feel like I want to share it enough that I'm ready and willing to spend the next twenty minutes crafting something that I yes. want to say about yeah. that. Good point. That mm. expresses my view. Yeah,
0: sharing political stuff of someone else without commenting on it is is not wise, guys. That's mm. right. right, Jimmy. And You're oftentimes, right
1: times yeah. I will I will prepare that little thing that I want to say, mm. and then the moment's passed, I've deleted it and, and I've gone on with my day. Yeah, yeah. because maybe it, I I got to think about it a bit more. I got to really test what I was trying to say and my motives behind it. Wow. Yeah. And more often than not it finds itself filed in draft somewhere. So are you
0: saying that the process of having to write an introduction is is actually the thing that is forcing you to think through all the implications of pressing that share button. That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm. That's profound. Yeah. Because so much is just shared. Because, Mm. but they're not, I think, oftentimes not thinking it through enough to think, well, okay, how will this be perceived? Or do I really believe this? Mm. It seems to make sense. Click share. Mm. So that process of slowing down enough is, you're saying, is actually a helpful process to go through. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Here you go, guys. If you're going to share, craft, spend a few minutes crafting something that will force us to think about it. Great thought. And think about, is
1: there a specific person that I'm thinking about when when I want to share this? If, it's, if it is, mm. write something, share that. To, share it to them privately.
2: Yeah.
1: I've got dudes that I'm directly responsible for discipling and I will share things with them mm. that are specific to their story and to what they're learning and what mm. they're needing at that point in time mm. that don't need to be shout, shouted from the rooftop. Wow. Yep. Good thoughts. So moving right along, should an employer... Have the right to dictate the behaviour and actions of their employees on social media.
2: Oh, I think this is a this is a harder one to answer. Let, we, let me have a crack then. Yeah, you go first. I'll give me some Because bigotry. I've... Let, let's yeah, just, I'm, yeah, let's just
1: define the scope outside of employment hours. Okay. 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 okay.
0: I am fully aware, caveat here, that I will be biased through my own reference here. Um, and I know there will be people who disagree with me on this. Um... My view is I think that an employer should have a high degree of ability to dictate how an employee um, does things. Now, I am saying that because I'm a minister of religion and I have set employment hours, but I'm also constantly on the clock Mm. and I I do not have the luxury of switching off and saying anything I want on social media, or behaving any way that I want outside of my employment hours because yep. everything I do represents my employer, yep. the church. Uh, so therefore, I'm coming from the bias of thinking I'm always at work. Now, I'm not saying that a per- not everyone is in that same situation. Hmm. I'm not even saying that Israel our was in that situation. But I do think that people who have a high level of representation, responsibility. So people who who do represent an organisation at the higher levels, who do represent uh, people, famous people like Izzy. Uh, Straight away I'm thinking about Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, and mm. the, the the impeachment process and everything else, whatever it was that went with that process. Do, is he is he free to do whatever he wants outside of his house? I would say no. If you're the flippant president of the United States, you're on duty all the time. Yeah. I think that there is a point at which you represent your employer. So I, yeah. I'm going to come at this from a, a different perspective mm. to mm. many people, and, and I think that that we should be aware that mm. we do represent our employers. And, mm. and I think that if I'm not prepared to do that... There'll be people disagreeing with me, but I, I'm of the yeah. view that if... I'm going to lean more towards the point that if an employer tells me to do something and I'll, I don't want to do it, I'll go and find another employer employee to work for. Yeah, I'm not saying everyone has to agree with me and I'm aware yeah. that's probably my bias, but to me, I think that's the perspective that I would lean
2: on this. And... You like might I, be I, completely I, different. I, 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 I'm on the same boat in terms of... Because I have been previously employed... Um, by the church but also because I think well since almost since I've left school and that's pretty much the whole time there has been social media um, I've been in some sort of leadership position in the church so that's why I have to carefully consider about what I say and do not just in the world but also online um so I agree and that's not a paid employment no, position that's, not even that's paid. just
0: recognising yep. that as a leader in a church
2: yep. you represent Christ so over the 19 church. years or 18 years of being in leadership of some, some degree I've been employed by the church for about three and a half years of that apart from that I've been um, just voluntarily in those positions I th- I think that the hard part is is that when it comes to a religious organisation or an organisation that holds particular values, they want to be able to say, you shouldn't be able to, like you can't contradict what the values of our organisation are. The hard thing is, is that every organisation could say, we have values, all of these values and that they could be adopted and changed at any time and that's where, as an if an employer, will be hard. Uh, as an employee, would be hard to say. Well, when I joined this organisation, my views were completely fine. Say for Israel Falaw, when he joined, say Rugby Union, for him, for his views that he's holding now, uh, could have been perfectly fine with the organisation. He could have shared it. Could have had no issues. Um, but Rugby, uh, Rugby Australia have now have changed their policies. Or they might not have, uh, to the point where now, what he is saying is against what they believe. So then now he's against. So he's against their policies. Uh, where do, where does the line end up getting drawn? Yeah. And what organisations hold the right to then determine. say, determine this is my this is our organisational point of view. You cannot go against it.
0: It's a really good balancing act that, to the, what I just said. That's the hard line. That's the other perspective to bring into it that I didn't, I have to admit, I didn't bring yeah. that in. Because if,
2: if, say, it. like I work for the Department of Education, what do I then, how much of what I say and do in my personal time can be controlled by the Department of Education in terms of the government? So in, I'm in government employee. What can I say or do in my personal time? Now, that people will be like, well, then if you're working for, say, a small business, say it's a family-owned business, they hold particular points of view and you're employed by them, could they sack you for things that you say and do online because you go against what they believe? You could be a a smaller, maybe a small chain, maybe two or three stores, same again. And as it grows and grows and grows, at what point is your actions of what you say and do outside of work hours, impact your employment. And I think this is why this case is so interesting is because it is a massive can of worms. Yeah. And we don't really... There's, I don't think... It's almost going to be impossible to draw a line.
0: I was going to say, do you think that it's a black and white issue? In the, I don't mm. think there is because different roles and forms of employment mm. and different positions within an organisation mm. carry with it uh, a different level of yeah. representation of said yeah. organisation.
2: But say if it was a um, someone who's not a face of organisation, say they're, they're a... Say at Rugby Australia, because this is the case for Ralph Lau, say someone at Rugby Australia who was a administrative assistant at Rugby Australia... Great point. ...liked Izzy's fa- post. Poof. Maybe even shared Izzy's post wow. and said good on you, wow. Izzy. Would... Would rugby
0: Australia Freya, come to the party as a, much? Would
2: they? Would the same thing happen? Or say if they did it and it wasn't say it wasn't even Izzy's post. Say if it was someone else's thing, the same thing would that would the same process have happened? Do they have the right? Australia executive <laughs> Do they have the right? Do they have the right? Let's think
1: about it the other way. Yeah. And let's just say let's say it was an anti-Christian post or an anti-Muslim post. What we can't say is anything definitively. And I know yeah, I've been questioned in the witness box and they've asked me a question that was a, what if this happened? I said, didn't happen. So how, how can I answer something that never happened? It never happened. So we need to be mindful of, you know, let's yeah. say this happened. Mm. It's, it's good to think about the ideas. Mm. I wonder what you guys think of the Chick-fil-A issue in England. Do you know about yes, it? Yes, I do. What do
0: you think about the Chick-fil-A issue? Could you explain what's well, happened? Well, actually, that's, I do know what's happened, I yep. think. So my understanding was that uh, Chick-fil-A, owned by a significant Christian, well uh, Stewart Cathy, uh, to the point where one of, it, it, one of the biggest fast food chains in the United States, very successful, never opened on Sundays because he uh, held to religious beliefs. Um, my understanding is what's happened in the UK was uh, to do with LGBT. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, you can yep. so he basically read the whole article. He,
1: he stated that he believes in one man for one woman right and that and that's basically the crux of the the problem
0: and as a result of that the business has been forced to close that's right its doors yeah, correct they wouldn't, they wouldn't renew their Re- lease renew
1: after their six least. months yeah. and so they've chosen to close their doors yeah. so that's not an employer saying you can't mm. do things it's mm-hmm. it's it's a government right it's a local government basically so here's where we get
0: back to secularism we've talked about that in a previous Mm -hmm. episode uh pure secularism says that the government the church and state religion and governments are separated and it's the government 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 cannot legislate in any way on religious beliefs well by doing that the government is is legislating on a religious belief if if it's the government that is the is the leaseholder on the land i'm not Mm. aware that they are if they are or not but but that that is the secular organization that is saying you can't we're not in agreement with your religious beliefs therefore we're going to discriminate against you and not offer you a lease for instance Mm. the problem arises is that there is no such thing as a truly secular state because let's take secular rugby australia which is saying it's neutral It's actually not neutral because it's now discriminated against Mm. Israel's ability to have freedom of his speech. Mm. But that's a different issue to whether Israel should or shouldn't have said anything. Mm. The challenges come in all of these cases is that how do we make things truly secular? And and my concern of speaking to Christians is that, and you'll hear me say this often, is that it cuts both ways. Mm. So to play devil's advocate a little bit to what, what you were saying... A little, a little bit earlier, Adam. I think Christians are concerned. This is this is the rhetoric that that I something you were saying earlier, and I thought this is this is the rhetoric that I would hear from a lot of Christians. Uh, it's but it's the Christians who are being discriminated against. They don't discriminate against the Muslims. They don't discriminate against the Buddhists. They discriminate against the Christians. Mm-hmm. Right? That may be true. That maybe if you listen to this and you think I'm think I'm not saying that's not entirely true. There, there will be. As a Christian, I do believe that there's spiritual powers that are trying to negotiate uh, to try to negate the voice of Christ. But I'm not fear based. Yeah. And and to say, well, we're the only ones who are being discriminated against, my question is, Well well, what do you believe about discrimination? Because yeah. if you're saying as a Christian you want to have freedom of speech, you have to actually give that freedom of speech yeah, to right. everybody. That's yeah. right. You can't be upset with a Muslim who expresses their opinion mm. or anybody else. You have to give it to everybody if you want to claim it for yourself. Otherwise, you'll, you'll, we Christians are living in a post-Christian society. and We have no awareness of the fact that we are so out of touch with the community around about yeah. us. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, I love that saying that you said before, have your cake and eat it too. I don't know if you know that the original saying is, eat your cake and have it too. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's actually back to front and I don't know where it turned around. But that's a much better picture because you're holding a cake in your hand. You can't eat it and hold it and keep it because ultimately it will go. It'll be in your stomach and it won't be in your hand anymore. Mm. And so these religious freedoms that we all want to hold in our hands, Mm. you can't eat them. You have to let everyone else hold their same religious freedoms. Mm. We all get religious freedom. Yep. So should an employee have the right to express religious freedoms even if they contradict those of their employees?
2: Hmm. I think we sort of touched on that in the last one a bit. Um,
0: I think the degree is they, the question. Yeah, the that? degree, mm-hmm. yeah. To what and, degree are they allowed to And yeah,
2: and I think that it comes, I suppose it comes back a little bit to um, what it is that you're exactly sharing. Mm. Um, because that'll always be whether or not people agree or disagree Um, if it's a hot topic then you know say if it is the LGBT issue or it could be abortion or it could be the environment could be whatever Mm. then if you're sharing about those issues um, there's probably that's where that's going to draw the most attention Um, should we have the right to share them I think yes, we should have the right to share them. How you share them, I think, is the is so the, the motivating the motivating factor, factor behind, behind it, it must be love. Yeah,
0: and perceived love. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Good
1: point. In relation to, in relation to sharing these views, what do you think are the what's the best place to share these views? Do you think so, social media is the best place, or
0: is, are there other ways we can do it that are more beneficial? I don't think social media is the best place because of the way social media is used. Social media isn't predominantly used for two-way communication. That's my concern with it. I think social media can be a tool that can then be used to facilitate conversation off- Line or in a healthy in online environment. So I think, I think social media could be used that way, but I rarely see it used that way. Mm. Therefore, I don't know that it's the best spot because it's hard to have healthy... For all the reasons you said, Jimmy, mm. about being a keyboard warrior, mm. it's hard to have healthy conversation with someone who is a nobody at the other end of a computer on the other side of the world. Yep. And so I would say just be mindful of that. There probably are other... I think it's a tool that can illustrate. So if there is a social issue that you feel very strongly about i think one establishing what you want to say why you want to say it how you want it to be perceived and then looking for avenues where maybe you could be a voice for positive change within the context of a loving embrace of christ i think you could do it but that's probably not going to be social media
2: i agree
1: and what about what re- uh, about business owners that have certain religious convictions being uh, I suppose, allowed to yes. re-
0: refuse service sure to people that uh, have old, here we go there's,
2: there's been a few of those stories around yeah yeah
0: okay so talk about having your cake <laughs> do, you know, do you know the
2: adolf cake
0: have adolf cake it? no yeah. i haven't tell me the adolf okay. i can i know where this is going there I think. was an
1: organization in america that refused To make a cake for a family, a birthday cake for their son that they called Adolf, and it had swastikas all over it. It was a white supremacist family that wanted a birthday cake for their kid, and there was a huge debacle about whether or not this um, bakery was allowed to refuse. They were Jewish Mm. bakers, and like a hot topic I don't know the end result but I know that Mm. that was certainly an issue
0: yep that's another good example of
2: it and there's been the other ones where there's been um, devout Christian bakers that have been asked to do a cake for a um, homosexual wedding oh yeah Yeah. and then they refused to do it also um, because on their ground of of their beliefs yep and I can't even remember what the outcome of that was Civil Beta.
1: celebrants as well yeah. uh, have the same issue. I don't know. If you're going well, to I'm talk a religious that. marriage
0: celebrant, so I don't. I I have I, my my uh, the rights that I do weddings by a C3 church, so that limits me to even if I wanted to, I'm limited to the capacity of what the rights of the the organisation I'm a part of. Civil marriage celebrants different issue, and that y- is mm. yet to be worked out whether or not. A, a civil marriage celebrant that might want to hold to the traditional view of marriage mm. will be able to decline to marry a homosexual couple, for instance. That that remains to be seen. Uh, we talk, It's funny. We're talking about how did you say having eating your cake and having it too, mm. because um, the question is here is that we are as Christians the easy issue is about our freedom of speech, our freedom to dis, to, to uh, freedom to be able to say what we want about our religious beliefs. So the flip question then, you have to ask yourself, and if you're listening to this, you may not be aware of this, is that basically we are saying we don't want... employ the, the easy argument is we don't believe that employers have the right to discriminate against people based on their religious beliefs. What you may not be aware of, Christians, is that Christians... Christian organisations currently have the right to discriminate yep. against people based mm-hmm. on religious beliefs. Yeah. So here's eating the cake and having it too. If it ends up that uh, Rugby Australia is told that they aren't allowed to discriminate against Izzy for his religious beliefs, mm. it's a natural progression of that, that a Christian school cannot, religi- can, cannot will not be allowed mm. to discriminate against a Muslim teacher, for instance, yeah. or a gay teacher, or, or whatever. Yeah. And I can hear the rhetoric. Mm. I can hear in my mind people who haven't thought this through, who are going to be all upset if that happens to Rugby Australia, but haven't thought through the fact that it's that same legislation. Currently, mm. Christian organizations and religious organizations can discriminate. Mm. I think we're heading to a point where we won't be able to discriminate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. and we might in fact be the ones doing that. So yeah. uh, because of we we we're standing up for our rights to be able to speak freedom of speech, but hmm. sooner yep. or sooner later we won't be eating our cake and eating it at the same time. or having yep. it and
1: eating it. And to throw a cat amongst the pigeons, Kyle Sandlin's can say whatever he wants. That's right. You know, yep. And like we, all, there's a number of people that took great offence to yeah. what he. Had oh, to that say. was a good example. Personally, like, yeah. I, I, I was I was shocked. By it was horrible what he like, said. Terrible yeah. what he had to say, mm. and but if if we play this out to the nth degree, he can say what he, he likes. Can say, yeah, that's
0: right. Mm. The, the, same, many sort of people, the same people who are protesting against Kyle Sandlin being able to have freedom of speech are protesting, saying that Izzy mm. is allowed to have freedom of speech. Guys mm. can't eat your cake and have it too. That's
2: right. Yeah.
1: Mm, that's interesting. So in, in light of all of this, how do Christians respond to this issue and issues that are similar to, to this
2: mm. How do we respond? I think that we need to be thoughtful in our response. I think that's the first thing. Uh, because it, on face value can be very much perceived as it being a religious issue, straight up. Because it's about Israel our sharing um, a abridged version, <laughs> may we say, of a Bible verse. Um that has landed him in, in this situation. Um, so, what I would say is that we need to make sure that we don't just straight away jump in in an emotional way. That we need to be thoughtful.
0: There's a lot of emotion on all sides yeah, of because, these arguments, isn't because
2: there? Because it's not. It's very much easy to chuck out that oh you know the reason they're doing this is because of sponsorship dollars or um, and keeping those people happy or you know none of that none of that is helpful. It's not going to create a healthy discussion on this topic. Um, what we need to be doing is thinking about okay if I was in Izzy's situation, would I have chosen to post? That image, not even the Bible verse that it was referring to, would I have posted that image? And I think that's what where we need to start is it. So and look, okay, if that's not helpful, what he what he did there, can I do it in a better way? And then start stepping back from there. Because if we just jump straight in and just go all out and whatever, then go, okay, well then if, you, if you're if you so much about that, you share that on your on your social media page. Um, or you go into the street and yell that out. What type of response are you going to get? Are you going to like the response you get? Um, and I think for a lot of people, they won't like the response they're going to get because I think they'll get perceived in a way that they don't want to be perceived and probably maybe even... The intention of what they're sharing isn't great. So I would just say we should respond in a way of going, okay, I need to reflect on the way that I speak, on the way that I um, share things, the way that I post, and just even being thoughtful about what, if you're going to quote a Bible passage, one, actually quote the Bible passage, put a reference there, Uh, and then not just the Bible passage, write why. Like Adam was saying, write a blurb about why you're sharing what you're sharing if that's what you want to do hmm. and then decide whether or not you want to actually share that. I think that's a yeah. great place to start because if we're not doing that, we're starting in a place that's pretty poor, I think. Yeah.
1: Just before Ron uh, wraps up for us, I just want to share with you guys the, the definition of recklessness because as a police officer, I somehow sometimes have to charge people with crimes But the crime, for example, may be grievous bodily harm. And the offence that I charge them with is recklessly cause grievous bodily harm. Mm. Recklessness, a lack of regard to the danger or consequences of one's actions. Mm. So in relation... It's, we, we, we might be all guilty of recklessly posting on social media mm-hmm. with no regard as to the consequences of what we're doing and, yeah. if, and, and if, any forethought into what, what the repercussions are, mm-hmm. not only on the friendship that you have with the person that's going to read it, but also the representation that you're making of Christ and his church. So let's not be recklessly posting on, on social.
0: Yep. Great thought. Great thought. I had a few notes that I'll just sort of run through because some of these are things you guys have already touched on, but uh, I'll add a couple of other thoughts as well. Um, The first thing I would say is that before we post about an issue that we might feel strongly on, a social issue, say LGBT, and I can't talk for easy, I don't know, but I don't think we should speak on a topic until we have... Uh, adequately exposed ourselves to that topic because there's a lot of emotion around these around all these issues on social media. The person who posts strong right wing stuff, the person who posts strong left wing stuff. There's a lot of emotion around it. Behind that emotion is a story, is an experience, and most people. We've said this before. Most people don't set out to be bad people. Most. I, I think Barack Obama actually said that in the post about social media that we put on our website. You see, everyone. Most people are good people. He said, they, they, you might, he said something like, you might not agree with them, but they've still got, most of them are still good to their families. Most people are still trying to do the right thing. Whether we agree or not, most of them aren't trying to be evil. They, they believe they're in the right. And so it would be wise to uh, open ourselves up to opportunity. So I would say before we post something about abortion, Have you you might be okay, but have you had a conversation with someone who has had an abortion? Have you asked them questions? Have you felt the emotion? Have you put yourself in their shoes? Have you put yourself in the shoes of the the single mum that was raped that has had an abortion? Or have you? uh, Do you have any gay family or friends that you can talk to? It, It just helps us to filter through the lens of real people. Just remembering that what we post is always related to people and their lives and their experiences. So it just, it just helps us to, it's a bit of a, a litmus test. If we take a step back and look at it from a philosophical perspective and, and have engagement with people, it'll help us to form our views a bit more cleverly. And I think that as time goes on, we're all going to need to think through these things. We are going to be, I think every Christian, I think the time will come probably fairly soon where Christians will be obligated to express what they believe. So you'll have to have thought this through. I think court case, in this case, as messy as it will be, as expensive it will be, at least we'll get some clarity, like Jimmy said earlier. I think that's a good thing. We talked about being in a post-Christian society. I'm concerned that we're still trying to act like we're the moral majority. And that is actually undermining the effectiveness of our weakness, witness because we assume everybody agrees with us when the vast majority now don't agree with the Christian worldview. If, if you were to ask the average millennial and the average teen, if you walk up to them on the street, don't advocate doing this, but if you walk up to an average teen on the street and you say, hey, what do you think of Christians? There's a pretty good chance that homophobic and pedophilic are going to come up near the top of the list. Certainly homophobic, near the top of the list. So that should tell us something. That should tell us that a post like Izzy's is not, it it at least has to drop through that filter. Before it gets anywhere, it's going to hit the homophobic filter. And a post like that will not fit through that filter. So it should help us to make sure that we do as we've said. We want to speak the truth that we believe and we advocate for. We want to speak the truth in genuine love and concern for people. And I think actually that's what Izzy was doing. I don't think that, I, I don't think Izzy was unloving. I think if you if you cut him open and said, hey, what was your motive? I think he would say, well, I genuinely love people. I want them to know the truth. The problem was it wasn't perceived by the vast majority of people that way. And now it's been picked up and turned into an employment battle issue. I don't think that was where Izzy was going originally. I'm not even sure if that was, that was even on his radar when he put the thing up there. So our job is first of all, to make disciples. And that requires us to introduce people to Christ and then let Christ deal with morality. And that's all I have to say about that.
1: And on that note, thanks for joining us for this episode. Please like, subscribe, review, rate, share, and keep making disciples. We can't wait for the next one.
0: See you next time.